Welcome to the CFX Connections podcast. CFX is your connection to church leadership, ABL technology, facilities, and operations. Our goal is to provide church volunteers and personnel with practical resources for education, training, and connection with others serving their church's ministry. My name is Patrick Hart, and I'll be hosting this month's podcast. I have served in church facilities ministry for the past 18 years in the Pacific Northwest, and I'm a member of the National Association of Church Facilities Managers, as well as having served on their board for the past six years. In fact, I was a member of the board when I was asked to host this podcast, but God has moved me to a new thing, and it just so happens that I now work for Smart Church Solutions. Today, we're going to be talking about facilities management and today's church with my boss, Tim Cool. Tim is an author and founder of Smart Church Solutions and has assisted nearly 1,000 churches, equating to over 5 million square feet throughout the United States with their facilities needs. He has collaborated with churches in the areas of facilities need analysis, master planning, construction management, as well as life cycle planning and facilities management. Smart Church Solutions is also the developer of eSpace software products, including event management, work order management, life cycle calculator, and IoT integrations. Welcome, Tim. Hey, Patrick. Thanks for having me. It was uh, kind of fun to be with you earlier this week in person. Yeah, and now, and now online. <laughs> now we're coast to coast. Well, let's uh, let's get started with this. Uh, it's a rather broad question, uh, but I know that you you've got something. Uh, you have a passion about facility stewardship and and facilities ministry. So, what exactly does uh, church facilities management entail in your mind? So, did you say facilities management or facilities maintenance? Well, facilities management. Yeah, and okay. Perhaps how it's different than 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 maintenance. Yeah, so you know, facility management, in my perspective, is the proactive part of taking care of a facility, um, where facility maintenance is the ongoing corrective nature of maintaining things, making sure that they're still operational, making sure that they're clean, and, and, and so on. Um, in my opinion, both are necessary. Unfortunately, too many churches don't have both. They have one or the other, and they, in, in those cases, many times... What they think is a facility manager may be a facility maintenance person, and the business administrator becomes the ad hoc facility manager. But if you look at what in the secular markets, if we can call it that, what a facility manager does, I mean, he does staffing and team development. He does uh, contract reviews. He does maintenance management, procurement, preventive maintenance, real estate budgets, forecasting, life cycle, fleet management. I mean, it is, a, it is a massive role, which is why in most um, non-church-related uh, settings, the facility manager focuses only on managing the operations of the facility. So it's really a higher-level position, and a maintenance facility's maintenance person is really the wrench turner. Yeah, that's, I think that's a, that's a great way to put it, is the facility manager is, is the proactive manager of all things facility then has a team of people, Lord willing, that are doing the wrench turning and the repairs and the mopping and all the other things that go within the, I see maintenance as a subset of facility management. Okay. Well, I use the term facilities ministry. You see that as the overriding principle. It's a facilities ministry. It's a ministry of the church and those management and uh, maintenance are within that. Yeah, you, you and I use similar terms 
Um, you use facility ministries. I've used facility stewardship. Uh, to me, both of those kind of relate to the fact that this is more than a task. It's more than a job. It, it, it has a higher calling to it and has a higher meaning. Well, I know you and I in the past have both alluded to um, the, the roots of this ministry uh, as being uh, in the, uh, the Levites, in uh, the people of Israel traveling through the desert. And they were really the first facilities managers, but it was a facilities ministry. And there were thousands of people involved in that. Um, and unfortunately, our churches today don't have that kind of depth in their facilities ministries. Yeah, um, if you read the the you know some of that about the Levites, you know Aaron and the Levites did everything related to the, the temple, the tabernacle, and he was the high priest, not just a priest. Yeah. Um, and you you look at the importance of that role you, when you go through the first four, five, eight, ten books of the the Old Testament, you'll find the role of facility manager long before before you find the role of youth pastor or children's minister, um, you know, because there was, there was a reverence to the house of God, whether it was the tabernacle or the temple that they believed they needed to go above and beyond to take care of. I got it backwards. I was a youth minister first, but, um, yeah. but I agree with you on that, Tim. <laughs> it, it, well, it was the it, first it, ministry it, position besides priest. Yeah, exactly. So that that brings up an interesting question for me, because in your experience with all these churches you've reached out to across the country and provided some kind of a assistance or help with, um, how many of them have a facilities manager that has a seat at the table where yeah, they're uh, where they where they have some say in how things are handled within their facility, other than just to be the guy who manages it as a yeah, task? Yeah, it's a point something percentage of the churches that we deal with. Okay, so very small. Uh, yeah, too too often the these the facility manager, whether he's truly a manager or or just given the title, is the redheaded stepchild of the staff. I mean, seriously, I was in a building a couple of years ago on the other side of North Carolina here, where I walked in and they wanted to show me the facility manager's office, and it was in a storage warehouse area with chain link fence around it. And I'm thinking, great, so he's a caged animal. That's that's what you think about the guy that is taking care of your largest asset. With the boiler in the corner. And yeah, no, I've seen Nobody that. Nobody had paint cans stacked up in the corner. Nice. nice. I spoke with a, uh, a true facilities manager uh, yesterday at a church in the Charlotte area. And uh, he indicated that uh, he'll be in his office, which actually was an office with a door, nice little office area where his staff could, could congregate. And, and he said, the lead pastor comes in regularly, pops his head in and says, hey, I just want to make sure you know you're appreciated. Mm -hmm. um, and, and it sounds like that relationship, he has probably a lot more seat at the table, a lot more sway in, in a relationship. It isn't just that they're shoved in the back corner of the basement somewhere. Yeah. Um, I mean, my, my dad was a pastor. And so I get it that the church universal is not about a facility. But you think about, you know, how long could we do ministry as the body of Christ without a facility in North America, without a well-functioning facility, without a facility that is heated and cooled properly and has proper toilet paper and you know other things like that. Yeah, no, I agree with that. that so the word I'm hearing, okay, you already used it before, and now you're 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 framing it up again. It's stewardship. And 
I've always liked the word stewardship. My parents were good stewards. My my father was the treasurer of his local church. Stewardship was something that was just ingrained in me. But it's a word that's been around in church circles forever. But it seems that it's now catching on in the secular world. And it may have a little bit of a different meaning, especially in terms of, you know, it maybe comes across as an environmental thing. And I live in Seattle, so I get that too. But can you explain how stewardship is related to church facilities management? Yeah, so... For me, and whenever I do a workshop, um, I always start off with, can we all agree that everything on earth belongs to God? If we can't start with that premise, then there's really no reason for me to talk about the premises of the, that I speak on on a regular basis, because I believe everything belongs to God. That's not the reason why you should believe it, but I believe that. And as such, if everything belongs to God, then, you know, the chair that you and I are both sitting in right now, the tables that we're leaning against, the microphones we're talking into, those all belong to God as well. And the real meaning of stewardship has nothing to do with money. It's got nothing to do with the environment. Stewardship is about taking care of somebody else's stuff. So you go back to the the, um, the parable of the talents. The first two guys were good stewards because they were taking care of somebody else's stuff and they were actually making it better. You know, the other guy was a poor steward. He buried it. And, and so if we really believe everything belongs to God, then that we're taking care of God's stuff. And, and I know this is going to be theologi- theologically totally off base, so you can kick me under the table later. But I believe we're going to be held accountable for how we stewarded God's stuff. His people are his stuff. The word of God is his stuff. Our pews and steeples and columns are his stuff. I think we will be held responsible for what we did with it. Yeah, I th- it's challenging because I think the average church member thinks of stewardship as just when they come out and talk about um, tithing. Mm-hmm. And, and then when people say, well, I don't think you allocated my funds that I tithe in a way that I'm pleased with. But it really comes down to how good of a custodian are you? And I'm not talking about how good of a janitor are you? Because I don't even use that word, janitor. I use custodian, caregiver, caretaker. You you have ownership of this place. And as such, you need to be looking at things. It doesn't mean cheap. Um, it means what's the looking at it and what's the right way to do this? So like I know that you would probably look at it and say, oh, well, to do this um make this choice, it might be the cheap choice now, and people might see that as good stewardship. But five years down the road, um, they find out that that item's worn out, and now we got to spend more money to replace it. And in facilities management, that's a huge concern because we have really expensive equipment. So, uh, which leads me to to my thought, in your experience, what are the biggest areas where churches struggle to be successful in regard to stewarding of their facilities? Yeah, so there, there's three things that come out in almost every facility condition assessment that we do. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk broad here for a minute, and then we can talk specific. But on the broad sense of things, um, churches underfund their general maintenance budgets. And when you underfund something, it, which means you're not taking care of the things you should be, what happens? You defer those items, which causes deferred maintenance. The second is that we understaff our facilities. We just think that, hey, one guy should be able to handle 100,000 square feet. Why wouldn't he? Um, that's, you know, you, you go back to the, to the old Southern Baptist days. 
they told you you should have one full-time pastor for every 150 people, you know? And so why don't we tell churches, yeah, you can get by with one pastor for every thousand to 2000 people. That'll be fine. You guys will cover it. Um, and then the third is they always have a lack of capital reserves because they're not thinking about the future, the inevitable future. These aren't if questions, it's when and how much. And so those three are the big buckets. The, the more specific buckets are, without a doubt, cleaning is always an issue for 99 and 44, 100. So the churches we, we look at, um, they, the, the way they clean. I mean, just, just open up the, the closet, your, your custodial closet. And if it is disorganized, you probably aren't cleaning properly because everything else is disorganized. Um, your, your life safety issues, think, think in terms of um, fire extinguishers, your emergency lights, your exit signs, your AED batteries. You, you wouldn't believe, Patrick, how many times we do an assessment to find out that the first aid medicine is years and years out of date and that the AED batteries are expired and don't even work. I mean, imagine someone having a heart incident. You grab the AED paddles and it goes, you know, now you've got a liability issue because you had the right tool to make an impact, but you didn't properly service it. So now someone has a reason to come after you. And, and then there's not good stewardship either. Yeah, right. That's not good stewardship either. And then the, the third is just the increase in amount of deferred maintenance. Um, I think Nathan shared with you, you know, we've done. We've done assessments now in the last, I think, two years on about 5 million square feet of church facilities that are ranging somewhere in the six, $60 million of deferred maintenance on an average over $14 a square foot, with some of them as high as $40 a square foot. Well, in some instances, there is no way you will ever recover from that short of Jesus coming back or you bulldoze the building. Okay. Um, so what is Smart Church Solutions doing to assist these churches? They find out they got this huge issue, or maybe they don't even know. You don't know what you don't know. So what are you doing to assist them uh, in that endeavor of, to be successful in their facilities ministry? Yeah, so we, you know, we provided, because not everybody can afford to pay for a consultant. Let's just face it. Some, some, you're a church of 50 people with 10,000 square feet. You probably can't afford someone to come out. So we created a Facebook group called Church Facility Solutions, Facility Management Solutions. I can't even say it. Um, that we've got about fifteen hundred people that are, are trying to become better stewards, and they they it's a communication thing. That's that's one thing that we're doing. The, a couple other things is we we developed a facility condition assessment process with some post um, assessment consulting to help them get things that they need done. So. You know, one of the, the key roles of any leader, not just a church leader, is to face reality. So how can you face reality if you don't know what the facts are? And so get an understanding of the facts and then establish a plan as to how do you address, address those. Um, and then we've created some other software uh, products that help with the efficiency of doing all of that. But, you know, the, again, the key is it, most churches don't know what they don't know. And, and, and because it's their home, home church, 
they no longer see things that a first-time guest might see. They don't see the duct tape on the floor or the stained ceiling tiles or the fact that their restrooms are not handicap accessible. And yet you have a person come to your church that has accessibility issues. That's the first thing they're going to notice. We just don't see it anymore. Yeah, that makes sense. So um, when you go out to do a facilities condition assessment, like it isn't just, oh, do you have broken equipment? Mm -hmm. uh, it isn't just, uh, oh, you, you have uh, deferred maintenance that has piled up. What, what are some of the other issues that you raise in that that the church would want to know about that maybe they're just not seeing because they, they live in it day to day? Yeah. So, you know, what, what are the things that, that a first-time guest will see? I get out of my car. I walk up to the building. Am I going to see grass growing in the cracks of the sidewalk? And am I going to see shrubbery that's overgrown? Am I going to walk into the bathroom and, and, and see stalls that are undersized? Um, th those, those are some of the, the you know, more common ones. Um, but some of the other things that we look at, Patrick, are things like, how do you compare from a benchmarking standpoint on your uh, utility utilization? Uh, you and I had a discussion about a year ago about how, how should you properly budget from year to year for facilities. And you said, be careful not to just use the past as your guide to what the future should be. You know, we know that most churches should be spending somewhere in the range of a dollar to $1.50 a square foot for utilities. Um, some area modif modifiers for that. But if you're over $1.50 a square foot, you're in deep doo-doo. And, and so if you're already spending $2 a square foot, the last thing you want to do is add 3% to that for next year's budget. What you should be doing is looking at, are we spending too much to begin with or too little to begin with, and then make your adjustments from there. So understanding how you relate to other benchmarking opportunities is a key part of all this as well. Yeah, and I think most places don't even know where to start. Mm-hmm. Uh, how do you benchmark against what you don't know? You don't even know you have a problem. Um, so many of us, I mean, I've been in ministry for a long time. Um, there's things I like, I want to do it this way. And as a facilities manager, I had my way of doing things. And as I've stepped out of that role, I know the people that are replacing me have their way of doing things. And, um, but we also learned through COVID that we have to learn how to adapt. So um, what have you learned from your vantage point? numerous churches not being on staff at any given one, but that how do you adapt to changes that come your way? And how, you know, is that a is that a hard process or is that something that's just inevitable or how, well, how do you manage that? Yeah, change is inevitable. How you adapt to it is not inevitable. Um, you know, what's the seven words of a dying organization? We've always done it that way. Yep. And 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 that is that is a killer uh, you know approach to doing anything. So what we have seen, the, the, the facility teams that have been the most um, proactive are those that remain agile. They're willing to, to make adjustments as they find you know, new ways, new opportunities. Um, you know, they, they don't fall into the, the trap of this is how we did it in the past. Uh, they're willing to adopt new ideas and concepts. I mean, uh, in all of the buildings that we've assessed, I'm yet to pull up to one that has a hitching post for a horse and buggy out front. And so we as a culture have adjusted much of what we do. Think of how many churches now do um, giving online, do online services. And, and we were forced in many ways because pre-COVID, 
I think it was less than 25% of, of all churches did online giving. Well, my guess is it's up in the 70, 80, 90% range that at least offer it as an option for giving now. And so we have to be agile enough to say, hey, there's a new technology. There's something that, that could make us more efficient. What, what is that and how do we adopt it? That's interesting. I, I was at two different churches this, this week. I, I was visiting family uh, and went, uh, attended a church in the Spokane, Washington area, and they didn't even have uh, uh, um, an offering time in the service. And I thought, well, maybe it's just because it's Easter. You know, they're trying not to you know, upset anybody that feel like they're being asked for money. But they had a, a box mounted on the wall on the way out. And, and I thought, well, that's kind of novel because it builds extra time. That's just my thought. And then yesterday I visited this church in Charlotte and uh, they didn't, they had a box and I asked him about it. And he said, we have about 90% of our church gives online. COVID really drove that. And it recoups time in their worship service for worship, <laughs> worship and message. And I was like, Oh, how novel. Um, you're not taking it out. And you're not making people uncomfortable. Uh, they just adapted to what came along. And, and they also shared that they up, updated all their technology uh, their, their video and the recording and all that because of COVID. Um, and I think a lot of churches did that too. If you didn't, COVID came along and those are the churches that I think are really struggling right now. Have you seen that where they just didn't adapt to that? How do we be the church where we can't, uh, fully utilize our facility anymore? Yeah, that, that, that is a, a, a negative impact of the pandemic for sure because churches weren't able to be agile themselves and adapt and, 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 and pivot. Uh, the other thing that we've seen as a casualty of COVID are churches that, that had very limited financial runway, meaning either reserves or they had uh, rental income or some other way to pay the bills. When COVID hit, most of that rental income dried up. And, and so if they didn't have any other way to support themselves, they've had to shut. We, we did an assessment a couple of years ago in, in D.C. in the middle of the pandemic where the church had grown itself down to 40, 45 people and relied about 80 percent of their income on rental income. But when the pandemic hit, all the rental income dried up. Wow. So you got to diversify. Not all your eggs in one basket. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well. What advice do you have for facilities managers who are beginning or who have been doing it for a while or maybe even are nearing the retirement phase of their journey? I, I found most people don't, I, I don't think I've ever met anybody say, I'm going to be a church facilities manager. That was their goal in grade school. Never, I've never heard that. Uh, yeah. And I've heard people come from construction and I came through youth ministry and telecom and other things like that. But um, it's a really diverse field of people. But mm -hmm. What kind of advice do you have for these folks as they as they head into this this ministry opportunity? Man, stay humble enough to learn from other people. Um, and and there's lots of ways to do this. Maybe the easiest way to say is don't go it alone. You know, okay. between between Facebook, our Facebook group, between the International Facility Managers Association, between the church, uh, the National Association of Church Facilities Managers. Um, you, know, you, you look at opportunities to find people that are ahead of you. Um, at the same time, for, for that other end of the spectrum, the guys that are getting ready to retire or, or, or wind it down, you need to be thinking about that next generation. I, I read a, a quote recently that true success is when you find a successor. 
And so think about who your successor will be. You may never meet that successor, but how do you prepare them to step into your role and be successful? Whether you personally train them or not, you know, I've met, and I know you have as well, Patrick, facility managers that know where all the bodies are buried, what every outlet goes to what circuit, and they have it all up in their head. And then when they're gone, I mean, that information has gone with them. So what are the things that you can do to prepare that next generation of facility managers, facility stewards to be successful, to then take it even where you couldn't go? So don't go it alone. Find people that you can rely on. You know, even if even if you don't join one of the organizations, find four, five, six, ten facility managers in your community that have been doing it for a while. Guys that are truly facility managers and not just wrench turners and learn from them. And I'd go to my business administrator and say, hey, can, can, can you let me join this organization? Can you send me to a conference? Can you help me do whatever? Even, even every fall now, we're doing a virtual conference um, you know, for facility management um, that takes two half days. Something, go find something to learn. I like that. And I'm, I'm going to give a shameless plug. The, the NACFM that you mentioned, the National Association of Church Facilities Managers, they do have a conference every year. They have opportunities to dialogue with people. But um, the coolest part is that there are local groups and you don't have to be a member of NACFM to be a part of a local chapter. And I would say seek out those folks. I, I think you're right. Don't go it alone. Take the opportunity to step in there and um, and join with others, even if it's just have lunch occasionally. I mean, I had the opportunity uh, while I was in Charlotte this week to uh, to meet up with uh, three other uh, NACFM members who just wanted to hang, get together and just and uh, you know have some fellowship time and because we've known each other through other things, but we know that when difficulties happen or we come up with something that we're just like stumped over, you can just pick up the phone or shoot an email or text message. It's, it's incredible. Um, the other place is that um, here we are doing a CFX podcast. Um, that's another place where facilities they're trying to keep that at the forefront and. Um, you know, what can we do? Go, go, even if you go for one day as a facilities manager, don't just send your tech guys, go and see and meet vendors. Vendors want, yes, they want to make money. They want to help you in your ministry as well. And, and so there's a, go and explore. Um, I know one guy who saw um, a, a new um, seating option, you know, we're always, oh, go look at seats and how exciting that might be. But these are really pretty cool. Uh, and so you see new stuff that you wouldn't see sitting in your own um, chain link office. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, when you when you go to something like CFX or NACFM's conference, the one of the, the biggest takeaways besides the educational component is the relationships you start to build. Yeah, um, because you, you and I have both have been to enough conferences that you, you go home and you, while you're at the conference, it's like, I'm going to remember to do all of these things. And you get home and you forget <laughs> to do any of them. But if you have other people that you've met, you can call them and say, hey, hey, Patrick, what was that thing that you and I talked about at dinner that, that night? And, and you told me that this was a great idea. Build those relationships. And that kind of stuff happens at these conferences. Well, absolutely. I mean, you and I met at a conference. So yep. um, look where that got me. <laughs> I know. Exactly. I feel sorry for you. <laughs> Uh, we'll see. Uh, well, Tim, thank you so much for sharing this information. And, um, you know, you, you've got a lot of wisdom you've gained for over the years from this and, and your encouragement for those who serve. 
Um, I mean, obviously you have a passion for it. Um, if anyone would like to connect with you further about this, what's the best way that they can reach out to you? Yeah, they can reach out to Tim at smartchurchsolutions.com. Uh, that's probably the best way to reach me. And Or if you're just looking for some great resources, go to smartchurchsolutions.com and then go to resources. We've got a plethora of, I just love that word, plethora of uh, free downloadable resources. Awesome. Uh, what movie was that again? Um, three Amigos, was that? Yeah, Three Amigos. Uh, Well, thank everyone who listened to our podcast today. Please make sure to share this on your social media channels and with other church ministry teams. And check back next month to listen in on Ben Stapley and Michelle McCarriack as they discuss how to make a video on a shoestring budget. Subscribe now and be the first to listen.